0: Welcome to the Daily Canon Podcast. Hello
1: again listeners and welcome to episode 217 of the Daily Canon Weekly Podcast. Stephen Bradley here sitting in for Matthew Wade as Matthew was called up to a late acting gig. We don't know what it is. He said something about Panto. It's October. I, I, know, I know he's a struggling actor, but Jesus, but you know pays the bills whatever anyway i'm sitting in this week to go through all the quote unquote events that happened over international football this week i'm joined to sift through the the rubble of, of topics this week with anita samball and paul williams folks how are ye
2: hello hello definitely interesting in, in international break quote unquote <laughs> oh
1: yeah it, it was fantastic paul did england win uh i don't know mate no, they lost on Friday. Uh, Anita, did Croatia win? Uh,
2: One game, yes, the other, draw.
1: Right. Uh, Stephen, did Ireland win? No, they were useless. And that concludes the international football roundup on the Daily Canon Weekly podcast. Nothing That's happened. Like 30
0: more words than I'd have wasted on it.
1: Nothing happened. I can't believe it, but here we are. But this week, listen, we're going to try up something different because, well, our Slack chat this week. um. Devolved into chaos, basically, when Anita said that it was Emery's fault, that Ozil wasn't playing well. And Paul, well, Paul, do you want to start? You probably, there's there's a bandwagon that says Ozil should get out of Arsenal. And apparently you built it.
0: <laughs> I, I think that's a bit strong. Um,
1: really? You came with notes? Yeah, it, 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 I know
0: it's not your usual style, but it is a bit strong. Um, well,
1: the floor is yours, Squire. <laughs> Um, I don't have much of
0: i I'm not going to spend the next 20 minutes talking about it. I, listeners will be pleased to hear. But um, I, I just basically feel that Arsenal have moved on from the Meza Ozil era and that this season has sort of become about the kids now. Um I think that Emery was brought in to try and take, move Arsenal away from an era where Arsene Wenger seemed to be spending money like it was going out of fashion. Um, he's gone a little bit mad towards the end there, trying to get Arsenal back into the Champions League. So we spent £50 million on Lacazette and then spent £50 million on on Aubameyang six months later. Um, we gave Mkhitaryan a massive contract and in as part of that same window, Meza Ozil signed that massive deal that Arsenal are now trying to shift him off. Um, a friend of mine at the time said it was the worst deal that Arsenal did in the transfer window. I thought, again, it's strong at the time. But I don't think I've really seen much in the last two years and we are coming up to two years since he signed the deal. That really says otherwise. I mean, he had that brilliant game at Leicester at the start of last season and then there hasn't been much else to come and then you get to a point where we play Nottingham Forest in the League Cup and the guy that runs this site sees the team sheet and tweets something like I've never said the manager in 30 years of support in Arsenal but here we are because Meza Ozil wasn't playing and then Arsenal go and win that game 4-0 and play brilliantly. Um, It's not about Ozil. It's about how Emery thinks he can move the team forward. And people might disagree with what he's doing. I don't think everything that he's done is brilliant. I'm not sitting here saying that I think he and Emery is the savior of Arsenal Football Club. I don't think that at all. But I think he's been brought in to do a very specific job. And he doesn't think that he can do that job with Mesut Ozil in his team Um, because if he did think that he could do it he would be playing um logic tells you that someone with ozil's ability would be get should be getting into a side ahead of the likes of joe willock reese nelson's been preferred in wide positions um and that hasn't happened um so that that's where i am with it really
1: so starting who has created the most key chances for Arsenal since Unai Emery took leadership of Arsenal. Mesut Erzil.
2: Mesut
1: Erzil. Yeah. So is it a case of Unai Emery not wanting to put Ozil inside or not being able to figure out how?
0: I think there's a bit of that probably Stephen but I'd also say that the these problems are not unique to Unai Emery. Arsene Wenger was having the same problems with him before he left, I mean, I don't want to sit on this podcast and quote what Martin Keown said about him after the Atletico Madrid semi-final, um, but I think it's, it's not really right to say. Not that you have, but if you were going to say that these problems are solely in I risk because they're not. It's
1: a it's a weird one where. We can see that you know Emery wants to play a certain way at times, and it's very clear that having a number ten that sits thirty yards out from goal and doesn't do a lot of running, at least you know not the concerted sprinting that Emery wants, just has never fitted into any of his teams. He had the same with Neymar when he tried to play Neymar at ten and tried to get rid of him, and but can we excuse Ozil at least for this season for the fact that two months ago? <laughs> Two lads went went and tried to rob him and his wife with machetes, and if it wasn't for the fact that he had a Serbian bodyguard, anything well, could have yeah. happened.
2: Well, I mean, when it comes to Mesut, as uh, many have said already, that it's he's the type of player that we have seen before, even in Real Madrid, not only at Arsenal. He's the type of player that needs some a a bit different approach from from the manager. And I think that he got that different approach from Arsene Wenger when he first started here. And obviously, uh, as Paul mentioned already, that it can be said that Emery was brought here to make those changes, you know, make the transition and, uh, quotes, get rid of some of the players that have been wrongly signed or given massive contracts in the last few seasons under Arsene Wenger. But my only point here is okay I totally understand everything Paul said and when you look at it it you know makes sense when you see how Mesut has been struggling over the last uh, uh, Wenger season and right now even though his stats are really great and he's uh, still you know still has it as as you would say but one thing that confuses me is he made him one of his five captains which gives me indication that he, yes, definitely counts on him and would like to, you know, have him involved in the team some, somehow. And players, especially the young players that uh, Emery is trying to bring into the team, and which is absolutely great, they have all stated how great and helpful he has been and he has done a lot for them on and off pitch, which also... Brings me to the next point that has been going around over the last few weeks after the general fund general meeting of, of supporters that uh, they were they were saying that Miss um, is simply not showing enough, not trying enough in training as well. I'm just you know confused. If you have a player like that who maybe sometimes sometimes doesn't look as good as he he did three or four years ago or or even more. Which is definitely normal, especially since everything that has happened to him over the last few years with the German national team and now that robbery and everything. But you still have him, and you know what he's capable for, and you are paying him massive, huge wages over the every week, no matter if he plays or not, and you are looking for someone to, you know, become interested in him enough to. At least loan him over, over on, in January, or even buy him. Then in, in summer, why not use him? Why not play him in cup games, as uh, against uh, Nottingham Forest in in the cup and in Europa League and somewhere? Why don't you at least you know put him on the bench or something? But he's not even in the squad. That that that's what I j- just uh, can't understand and don't really see the point of. What's Emery trying to do here? Is he trying to, you know, be, I am the boss and I will make, I make this decision. You stay at home, get your paycheck. And, you know, it feels like purely logical waste of money. And in the first place, waste of a good player, talented player. And yeah, I really don't see the point in, in that.
1: Does Ozil get into the first team? Like if, if we pick our Arsenal's best 11 right now, like it would be Leno... Tier, like when fit, if everyone is fit, it would be Leno, Tierney. I suppose you could pick any of the four centre backs at the moment. Holding, you might, you might go hold. You might go holding Chambers on form right now. Frankly, you yeah. might go Leno, Tierney, Holding, Chambers, Bellerin. Yeah. Um, Torreira is the DM. Choco, maybe. Well, I yeah, but <laughs> but, but, but Gwendozi is nailed on at the moment. You can't you can't get him yeah. out of the eleven. Um, you have to pick Pepe, Aubameyang, and Lacazette. Okay. So who's who's the third midfielder?
0: Joe Willock.
1: <laughs> and that's probably, and you could you could argue to as well, but uh, like as as much as we want to see Ozil in the team, the way Embry wants to play, there's no ten. And he can't play, he can't play as an eight, and he can't play wide.
0: See, I think I think that's part of it as well. Um... Emery wants players that are going to be banging up and down the pitch, although this persistence with Granit Xhaka is slightly perturbing. Um, But I think that if Unai Emery had any intention of using Meza Ozil in any significant way this season, Danny Ceballos probably wouldn't be at the club. Yeah. Um, And to go back to your point, Anita, about we've got him, we should use him, I think that, well, there's two things. If Unai Emery doesn't think that Meza Erzil deserves a place in the 17-18 ahead of anyone else, he's not going to get one. The second thing, and I think this may be, and this isn't necessarily to Emery's credit, maybe more of a factor is that he's not going to get rid of Ozil if he's playing him. So... Maybe he's trying to make life as uncomfortable for Meza as as he can as a, as a way to get rid of him and I don't think that's necessarily the right way to go about things, but it is a way of going about something.
2: So you think that uh, if he's not being played, it's bigger chance for him to get alone in January or even be, being sold.
0: Well, yeah. I think there'd be yeah, a growing acceptance. I mean, it's been written about um, in the last week that he's accepting now that he doesn't have much of a future at Arsenal. And I, I think, to be honest, and I know I've said this to you on the Slack group. But it, it, again, something else that's come out today is that you know, Emery doesn't have a, a break clause at the end of this season, as everyone seems to think or seem to think that he did. But even if Emery was to go at the end of this season or the end of next season. Meza Erzil's 31 in three days' time. Um, I know at Arsenal, we're, we've had a bit of an obsession with players being under 30 for a while. But really, as a top-level player, he's he's really on the downslope.
1: And we've got to take in the real-world view as well here because uh, St Pauli, the German football site, sacked a Turkish player today. For espousing political views over what's happening in, in Kurdistan right now, and we know how we know how we know where Mesut falls on that side of the, the debate. Oh
0: uh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, I know. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> and so with the rumors of him going, all the all the rumors are saying he's going to Finnbachi. Yeah,
2: he promised his mother.
1: Yeah, Right. and frankly, the say the very safest place for him to be right now is Istanbul. Yeah. You know, like so, there is a personal side to this as well. Like, there might be, you know, there there might be a, aside from Arsenal, because look, there's no good way, just like in life, there's no good way to break up with someone. <laughs> you know, the, the, you know, no one ever agrees that so, you know. Whenever you hear, you know, uh, especially when a manager goes, "Oh yeah, they, they've they've mutually accepted to move on," like go away. That's just, that's just both sides. Uh, yeah, they say it working. I'm off. Yeah, yeah. Have your money. Go go nuts. You know, like it's, Messi is never is never ever going to say in public, "Well, I'm not good enough to play for Arsenal. I'm off." Yeah. So it's up to Arsenal to make him not feel unwanted, but just like breakups work. You just realize that this ain't working for me, Chief. And that's if I, if the plan is ours. Because Raoul Salehi came out last week and was very non-committal on Ozel. It was the most passive of see of of you know of votes of confidence in him. He says, "Yeah, well, obviously, you know Emery is picking the the people who train the hardest." Well, a Ozel as we know, is never the fastest, quickest or hardest runner anyway. But B, the 18 and the 19 year olds are always going to train harder than the 30 year olds unless your name is James Miller. <laughs> that, that's, that's just a given. Of course the young lads are going to look like they're going harder because they are and they always will because the 30 year olds been playing professional football for 14 years, picked up at injuries and know how to rest themselves. Like, it, there's a lot going on here and it's, it's, like I said, it, not that it's unfair to boil it down to Ozil out or Emery out, but there's so many pros and cons on both sides that there really isn't a clear answer. There, like It's not like, well, if Arsenal get rid of Ozil, everything will be fine. Or if Arsenal get rid of Emery, everything will be fine. There's good... Like, yes, Arsenal aren't playing well right now, but they're third. Yes, Ozil isn't playing well right now, but he's still our second highest cra- chance creator this season. Like, it's... Just like anything with Arsenal, it's always more complicated than it initially seems.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I do like Ezel very much since he, since he came to Arsenal, and was really excited. But I mean, I have come to terms with the fact that it might be best for for the club in general and for younger players and everything to you know offload him, as as they say, to get someone to either loan him or buy him or something. But while he's here, that's the part that you know I can go, go with. And you mentioned, the, does he go in the first, first 11 in the first team? He doesn't have to I mean, we are playing in four different competitions. Well, we haven't started FA Cup uh, all right now, but you know we will. How could there not be a, a spot for him in one of those
1: teams? Like not having him on the bench at, at Old Trafford was yeah. illuminating
0: well I, I think Emery will probably think that he can always find 17 players that he'd rather use than measure I mean that Old Trafford game um, I didn't have a problem with Ozil not being on the bench because I thought if he had been on the bench it, he might have come on with 20 minutes left and he'd have swanned around not doing but I've Meza Ozil is not someone to bring on as a substitute. If you're going to play him, play him from the start. Um, I think his form in away games, I'm actually a bit surprised there was so much (sighs) when he didn't make that team cheat. Because I just think it's a logical decision. Emery doesn't. And I agree with you, Anita. It's very strange that he's made him... One of the five captains. I'm not. I'm not sure what the psychology is there, but well, that, that really... was a, that
1: was a pub, that was a public vote, wasn't it, Paul? Well, yeah, we have to, <laughs> we have to respect the result of a public vote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I
0: wonder was the percentage 52-48. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, it, it, I, I just I really do, and I was listening to. Um, the Ars blog a few weeks ago and Gunner blog was saying the same thing like the hysteria of Arsenal fans oh we're not playing Mesut Ozil it's like well what actually is the surprise in any of this this is is something that's been coming for a very long time and therefore all the Arsenal fans that are sad that Ozil isn't seen as being good enough to be part of the first 11 and I am actually a bit sad about it because I do think he's a very good footballer but whatever the motivation is, uh, the 1%, 2% that keeps you sharp at the top level, I don't think Erzil's had it for some time. Um, and as you both know, I mean, I, I've got friends that have been moaning about Meza Erzil for about four years. I, I remember writing uh, on the whistle reaction piece about Erzil after we'd won at QPR. I think we won 1-0. And it was basically a wind-up piece at the time because I think people were really starting to get on about Urzil even then. And um, it, the piece that I wrote made it into Adrian Durham's head scone section the next day on talk. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah,
1: Paul, yeah. Paul, Paul Williams' claim to fame, Adrian Durham thinks he's a moron. Happy... <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but my point is, is that even then, um, th- there, there were question marks about Ozil. Um, and that was when we still had Santi Cazorla, Alexis Sanchez was still in the team. And I think you can come back to what Cesc Fabregas said about Ozil after the um, Europa League final, where he, he said, I think sometimes you just have it inside or you don't have it. The club buys you to be the actual leader around the club. I don't think Mesut has that in him to carry. I don't train with him every day, but I don't think he has it in him to be a leader. Now, I think that was quite an honest assessment of Meza Erzil. Some people reported it as a blast. I think it was Cesc Fabregas just giving his opinion. And Fabregas giving his opinion as someone who was a leader at Arsenal and as he was a technical leader as well, which is something that Ian Wright and Dennis Bergkamp talked about um, in the interview that Wrighty did with him last week, uh, or it was released last week. Uh, Dennis was, wasn't was the captain of Arsenal, but he was the technical leader of that team. And I don't think Mesut Ozil's ever been the technical leader at Arsenal, and he should have been.
1: I don't know. I think... Oh, it? He he's a unique player with a unique case. I mean, he is a wonderfully, magnificently talented number ten. And if he had been playing in the mid nineties or the early two thousands, where people were crying out for number tens, he would have been lauded. He would have been, you know, like he would have been carried to the moon and back in the in the years of you know the Iniesta's and the Ronaldinho's and the Kakas and all that and all that jazz. Like he. But today, there's just no room for a... Like, who's the best number 10 right now in the world? Is it Roberto Firmino? <laughs> That's the problem. Like You know, like, Kevin De Bruyne plays eight. David Silva plays eight. Uh, Real Madrid couldn't find anyone to buy Hammers Rodriguez. Coutinho has to play left wing. Like, you know, there's, there's literally no one playing number 10 anymore, apart from Mesut Ozil. And because he doesn't, you know, not that he doesn't run, but he, you know, he can't press in the way that modern teams need to be able to press, and he can't run track back in the way modern midfielders need to be able to track back, he's becoming the ultimate square peg in the ultimate round hole.
0: Yeah, well, it's not an unfair point. I think something that Chris Godfrey spoke about when he was on the podcast last week. Um, I found it quite interesting. Um, pa- so Pierre Emerick Aubameyang won pl- the uh, Premier League Player of the Month award
1: yeah.
0: um, last week, didn't he? He did. And yeah. <laughs> Arsenal. There was there, there was a quiz on Arsenal.com uh, if if you could name the players that had re- received the Premier League Player of the Year award in their time at Arsenal, and. Um, Mesut Ozil's not won it in the six years that he's been at the club, which to me speaks to a player that has illuminated some games and been anonymous in others. And you you have had players like Fabregas has won it, Dennis Bergkamp won it, Ray Parlour won it one year. So they He just hasn't done it on a consistent basis. He has been brilliant at times, and then at other times he's not been so good. And we've got a coach now that isn't prepared to put up with it. And Uh, as you say, perhaps we've moved on from this era of needing the number 10s.
1: One for you, Paul. Uh, Who won Player of the Year in 1999? (laughs) Player of the Year? Yep. The year Manchester United won the treble.
0: Oh, it out! David Unaylor. Yep.
1: <laughs> See how I dug that out? I didn't Google it either. But it's mad, But it just shows how many times. And my favourite one is that Jose Marie, you know, has won Manager of the Month three times. <laughs> uh, Joe Kinnear has won it four.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I didn't bring that stat up thinking that that says some definitive truth about me. I just thought it was interesting. When you think guys that have won it well, they put sammy and nasri's won it strangely theo walcott never has i can't think why but um
1: he didn't sign that thing then
2: isn't that a fan vote yes yes so
1: well, i that... mean
2: it often has been with Mr. especially in in the premier league since he have come here that you know all those comments about the Way he's playing, the way he looks on the pitch, he's not looking as like like he wants to do something, like he wants to play, you know, body language and everything like that. I think that had some influence as well.
1: Yeah, but that's it, that is kind of projection as well. Like to like if you're buying Mesut to run like you know a Jordan Henderson or a James Miller, like it's like asking me to run a Michelin chef, a Michelin star restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like it, you just don't do it. You know, like you don't buy Mesut Ozel to you know be your midfield hard man or to be your hardworking number nine. You you bring him in to be an artist. You bring him in to be your luxury player. And either yeah, exactly. you, either you build a team around him and you put up with the fact that he's you're going to have to carry him defensively, or you don't. And as you know, Emery's fifteen months at Arsenal have gone by. He's gone more and more in the search of how do I keep goals out instead of how do I score more goals. Yeah. And is you know his solution to that right now is three defensive midfielders away from home.
0: I take issue with that.
1: In what? That well, Gwendou- I, that I, I do, I've
0: seen it on Twitter a lot. Um, Matty Genduzi is not a defensive. Yeah, midfielder. That,
1: that's a fair point. I, I hope he's not. I hope he's not like groomed into being one the same way Liverpool tried to turn Enre Chan from a really silky midfielder who was big and tall into a centre back under Brendan <laughs> Rodgers. I really hope they don't like stifle Gündozi by making him track back more because he's just he's not Vieira and I'm not even but he's the closest I've seen to him in the way that he's good enough defensively but when he gets his head up Jesus Christ he can pick out a pass.
0: I, I do agree with that. Um and I Terreira I think is
1: Tavares
0: really a defensive midfielder? Yes. 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 <laughs>
1: yes. No, he, he is your ultimate. I'm gonna sit in front I don't of the back. No, he
0: runs around fighting a lot of players.
2: I mean, just last week he played for Uruguay uh, at at his preferred position, and he was he had like he was like the man of the match or something like that. Yeah. One of the best players.
1: Yeah, you just sit him in front of the back four. It's, yeah. it's, it's It is like just putting a guard dog at the back of the house. Right, like, right. that's grand. That's sorted. Ah, do you not worry about... No, just leave him. He's fine. And it's yet about,
2: he is found up front in latest few editions of Emery's Tactics.
1: Yeah, because he wants him, he's want his pressing up front, even though Therese's best ability is to read the game from the back.
0: Yeah. He has played number
1: 10 previously, hasn't he? Yeah, he's good enough on the ball, but... In, like we have we have number 10s we don't need terreira <laughs> we we've, we've just spent 25 minutes saying how we can't face one in yeah 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 i
0: know i know
1: we have one sitting at home most of the time yeah and you know if if terreira's playing 10 and guindouzi playing 8 and you said well i need a bit of creativity up front then i'd say yeah then play ozil yeah but at the moment Xhaka is stapled to the team sheet
0: well I, and i think he's the luxury player Emery's right. decided he can afford one luxury in the midfield and it's Granit Xhaka.
1: Yeah. And He's that, more
0: important.
1: That's why I would say Emery out more than mm-hmm. over the Ozil situation. And I would agree with that.
2: <laughs> but I think that Xhaka did look okay with paired with Torreira uh, in the season before.
1: Yeah, because Torreira was doing all his running. <laughs>
0: well, I, I just think, think with Xhaka it's the it's the stupidity that he just or or maybe it's not even stupid he has good reasons for doing something but he takes so long to do them that it was a good reason two seconds ago and now it isn't i.e. the penalty that he conceded against Spurs was like the most ridiculous penalty that I think we've conceded in a very long time and we've got a long list of penalties that (laughs) we can look back and say why did that happen
1: no, what Granite Jacker is, he is dial-up broadband. <laughs> <laughs> Where it, the file is there, it's ready to, but it's just going to take three weeks for it to process and actually come through onto your computer. Meanwhile, he's not everyone, dial-up
0: broadband; he's a fax.
1: Yeah, yeah, even worse. while you know, Liverpool and Manchester City are playing with gigabit, gigabit broadband you know thousand up thousand down and you know files transferring at two gig a second meanwhile Jacka all you can hear is like but that's the problem like, he, you know, he's not the quickest and he's not the quickest to process information in front of him so it just slows everything down it draws our centre backs into trying covering for him cough Mustafi cough you know because Mustafi must hate playing with Jack hate it <laughs> because Mustafi can see the mistake the Jacques is about to make, then tries to cover it, only to make a mistake himself, and then the two of them look like ass. Like at least, like I said, with Terera there, Uruguay play Godin and Jimenez behind them, and they go, right, that's our back three sorted. We don't care. You know, Arsenal are so close to working out they've got just about the right ingredients. Look, I know Pepe's coming in for a lot of stick, but he's playing really well. All he needs is a is a is a, is a right back that will actually make a run past him. Yeah. and he's and he's about yeah. to get and he's about to get one. I like yeah. I like Saka so far, but again, he cuts in a lot as well. He needs a left back that's going to bomb past him and give him the ball. And good God, is one of them coming? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it it it's as much as much as I think Emery hasn't done a good job. I'm still I still want to wait to see what he can do. When he plays with his preferred tactics and his preferred formation, and unfortunately, those require two really good fullbacks that can attack and defend, and he hasn't had that until probably this weekend.
2: Well, I mean, I'm not Emery out per se. I would like to see him, you know, get to through the end of this of this of this season, as we all thought that there's an option to end his contract uh, in the summer. Not still not sure if that's the case or not. Over
1: after the news today. No, don't. Yeah, maybe
0: well, Donsting tweeted it, so
1: that's gospel then.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as far as anything is gospel in this world, surely this is. But we'll wait and see, I guess. I
1: what I, wa- I do wonder who gave him that <laughs> information I, I, or a contract? <laughs> no, 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 the information. Her. I wonder. I wonder who benefits it. I wonder who benefits from it being public knowledge. That. It would cost Arsenal money to sack Unai Emery this summer. Mm. Just, just, just me with my journalism hat on there, because <laughs> it's not Arsenal. I'm sure Arsenal would not want it known that they have to pay money to sack Emery if he was sacked. Mm. So just, just, just keep that in mind, listener, when you see Ornstein tweeting that. Yes, most of his sources are very deep in Arsenal itself, but sometimes it's not an Arsenal source, it's someone from near the manager.
2: Wasn't he the one who said that there is the option to end his contract after two years?
1: Yes. And where do you think he got that from?
2: I mean, what's what's to believe now?
0: Let's not worry about it. (laughs) um, Because Tierney's on the way, Bellerin's coming back. Happy times are coming, man. I'm telling you.
2: Well, as I, I, as as I was trying back. to say, I'm okay with having him until the end of the season, you know, judge me in May, etc. cetera, et cetera.
1: But, it is. He, but I think he will be. Yeah, and, or, and it will be definitive. If, if if Arsenal get into the Champions League next season, he will get another year. If Definitely. they don't, he will be sacked.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what he said at meeting last week. I mean... Not exactly in those words, but he said that it's a must for Marie to get Champions League this season.
1: Hmm. Now, if Arsenal finish barely fourth and you're know, humiliating the Europe League semi-final, I think you'll still hear a lot of people going, yeah, yeah, thanks for getting us in, but we think we can do better.
2: Yeah, and I think that that would be OK, because... I mean, as I've said so many times on this podcast, the many matches I've watched with Emery in charge of Arsenal, they have, it has been boring. It has been <laughs> dull. It has been defensive. Oh Anita, yeah. you don't
0: know you born. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm not saying that to be horrible, but um,
1: it's a fair point. I oh, mean, like
0: literally, it, like
1: the, the people that are complaining about the football Arsenal are playing are all under thirty-five. I want to well, take a, no, pla- I want I want to right No, no. Either. I mean, I, I think it's totally legit,
0: legitimate. It is. Not it is. But when they say, it's,
1: when they say it's the worst football they've ever seen play, Arsenal play, my <laughs> point is there are there is you who goes, hang on a minute. <laughs> you're you're. I I see I see your complaint, and I raise you nineteen eighty six. What? <sighs> <laughs> it's not just that, though,
0: is it? I mean, the last few years of Arsene Wenger, let's not airbrush it. There were some brilliant performances, the 2017 FA Cup final, the semi final that year against Manchester City. But there was a lot of played by Arsene Wenger's football team in the last three years of his reign. And he had some quality players in that side. I mean, yes, I... and
2: most of us wanted him, you know, saw so that there is a time to you know make a change, try something new. And I didn't expect this as something new.
0: <laughs>
2: Not even after the Emery's first press press conference, everything that he said that sounded great. Yeah, yes. Was, that's exactly what we need.
0: See I and again, I would agree with that. And I think Matthew and I talked about it last time we did the podcast together. We haven't seen this football that know Emery described. We haven't seen that and that's something that I think it's totally okay to not be happy about because we were promised something that hasn't really been delivered apart from the odd game. I mean, the home game against Chelsea last season, I thought we were excellent. Um, Although you would have liked more goals in the second half, as I remember. And that home game against Spurs, which was like this, what we hoped was going to be the signature Emery performance, Instead of which, um, people were looking at it, going, "Oh, we were one 0 up at home to Bournemouth, and we stuck ten men behind the ball." Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm amazed we still haven't like built on away at Napoli and away at Valencia. Yeah, that
0: those
2: were
1: good. Yeah, yo, like away at Napoli was an unbelievable result. Unbelievable, result. and then away at Valencia to go and score four. You're like, yeah, that's <laughs> that's the team Arsenal needs. One that's a viable counter-attacking side. Yes, you want to sit back and defend, but...
0: But, again, again, Matt and I kicked that one around a while ago, and I think we have had a lot of chances on counter-attacks, it, even this season. We just haven't been getting the final ball right or the finish. Been, that Liverpool game, I mean, Liverpool deserved to win it. Of course they did. But Arsenal could have easily had two goals in that.
2: If only we had a player who can set up... Goals for a living. <laughs> That's insane.
1: <laughs> I mean, just 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 lob that grenade straight <laughs> in the.
2: You talk about that the last ball, the assist, the final pass. I can't think of a better player than Mesut for that.
0: Yeah, but then there's the trade-off <laughs> of having him in the team and like. Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just just take the L, Paul, in that
0: So I'm going
1: now. I've got other things to do. Speaking of other things to do, before before we let you go, listeners, there has been news in the last couple of days that Arsene Wenger is going is actually going to write his autobiography. OnFran says, and I'm I'm going to say this now. I'm going to predict this now. It's going to be disappointing (sighs) because he's not going to say anything salacious. He's not going to say anything that would cause hassle. He's not going to start a ruckus. He's not going to say anything that would trigger anything. It's going to be his story in football, how he won, what he is, how he likes to coach football. Thanks very much. Here's my hat. Good luck.
2: And I will still read it. And so will I. (laughs) And
1: I will will buy it and I will put 10 quid in his pocket. I don't know. But people expecting something like Roy Keane's autobiography I fear is going to be sadly disappointed. Just because I think he's too classy to do it.
2: That's true yeah, definitely.
0: It'd be great if the last line was, by the way, Alex Ferguson
1: is a Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think he I. I now, I might be going out on a limb here Paul, but I don't think he's going to do that.
0: No, I don't <laughs> think he would either. Far too much class.
1: Maybe right, well done, done. bye bye. Roy King got banned <laughs> for his Yeah. Roy King got banned for his. You know, like he got six weeks for, for saying exactly what Paul said about Adelaide Harland when he broke his leg on purpose. Yeah. Literally, quote, take that you <laughs> unquote. And Eamon Dunphy, his 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 ghostwriter was you know dictating this down. He said, do you, "Do you want me to put this in?" He said, "Quote me." <laughs> you know, like 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 Wenger's not going to go like that. Like we're not going, to, you know, we're not going to find out who's who gave Ces Fabregas the idea to throw pizza at Ferguson. We're not going to find out what exactly he was thinking when he was sent to the stand and told to stand there. <laughs> we're not going to be told what he was thinking when he found out that Ces Fabregas was at the Spanish Grand Prix. Like, those are the things we want to know. You know where he was when he found out that Cristiano Ronaldo was playing in that friendly against Sporting Lisbon, or when Zlatan Ibrahimovic was when when he when he refused to play in that in that friendly match in that trial match, like those are the things we want to know of how things went wrong.
2: That should be like ten volumes.
1: I know, but that's what <laughs> we want to know, and I don't think we're going to get any of that. What we're going to get a lot of is Dennis is brilliant, Ian is brilliant, Patrick is brilliant, Robert was brilliant, Freddie was brilliant. Jens is a madman. I loved being at Monaco. I loved being in Japan. I, lo- I love I being able to teach players. I love being able to philosoph- be philosoph- philosophical. I love doing this in my spare time. And that's it. It's in the audio football? book, says, Paul, that's the problem.
2: But it will be in English as well.
1: Yeah. Who? yeah one, right. Who's, do you think he'll do the translation himself? Oh no no no! Who should re- Who should be the voice for Arsene Wenger's uh, audiobook? book? Hmm. I,
0: I have to, I have to say I would find it very difficult to listen to him doing the audio book.
2: <laughs> Mourinho. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Funny if he if he did a chapter on like it, like it, like he treated like the father Ted uh, Golden cleric speech and he said right and now we move on to lawyers and he just like did a, a chapter on everyone he hated and then got them to do the audiobook on their own chapter.
2: You know who I, we are always like listening to when he gave interviews after the match? Theo Walcott. Oh my god! No, yeah. I mean, I, you know, he's English and stuff. So. Look,
1: <laughs> no, whatever you earn to yourself and eat. I mean, Christ. <laughs> It's 2019, we're not judging, but Jesus. Aaron Ramsey, that'd be all right. Nah, he'd read it in Italian. (laughs) Fair
0: play to him for trying. Yeah. Uh, No, I think that's really good. You know, you get players that go and travel and they don't try and integrate. And uh, for him to try and speak Italian in his first press conference, i massive respect for that guy uh, I, remind,
1: I reminded that gareth bale also tried to speak spanish in his first press conference and five and a half years later he's still trying <laughs> and can't
0: spanish huh? yeah well i'm biased obviously but um it's quite an easy language oh, oh, Lovely, Oh especially for when you think footballers have all that time on their hands
1: it it is it is a weird one i'm reminded of the story of stephen fry doing the harry potter books and in all there's a there's a phrase in it that he can't pronounce because he's got a slight speech impediment Mm -hmm. and he went he actually rang jk rowling to say look is there any way i can say this a different way because i can't say harry pocketed it (laughs) and she went no I want it read the way it's written because I want eight, nine, and ten-year-olds to be able to follow it word for word while it's being written, while it's being read to them, yeah. which is great, which is why you know it, they're so popular, because the kids can literally follow it word for word. And he went, "Grand, that's no problem." Sorry to bring it up. She went, "Fine." And then in every other book, she put that same phrase in it just to piss him off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fun. So.
1: On that, any 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 other topic before we we wrap this on ahead?
0: Um, I'd to talk about the Ian Wright Dennis Bergkamp thing. I, I know neither of you have seen it, so I, haven't, I haven't two. seen
1: it. It's 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 on the list on YouTube when I get home.
0: <laughs> it's um, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this would have already watched it, but for those who haven't, it is absolutely wonderful. And there's a moment in there when. Ian Wright is a, so Dennis, Dennis has got a print of the moment after he scored the winning goal against any guesses?
2: Okay.
1: Argentina?
0: Argentina you. Oh, no. and um, Wright he sort of looks at it and he's like oh wow Den, you're emotional such a strange picture and he's sort of transfixed by it <laughs> and then he turns round to Dennis and he just breaks into this massive smile and it's like oh wow find someone who looks at you the way Ian Wright is looking at yeah. Dennis Bergkamp in that moment it is there's a lot of great moments there's a brilliant i'm not going to spoil it but there's a brilliant story about Saul Campbell and how they prepared him for his first north london derby God. uh <laughs> in the hole. um that's yeah it's just brilliant it's 40 minutes of the two of them chatting do they tell a the l- story-
1: does Wright tell the story about how they met
0: Yes, oh, I won't spoil that thing. because That's brilliant. <laughs> but it's, um, it's nice because I think I've usually read that from Ian Wright's perspective, yeah. so it's nice to get Dennis talking about it as well. I
1: just, um, I just love to. I, I will. I will listen to that in a few minutes when I finish editing this, and I'll just just just. I just want to hear about what the look on his face was when he saw it. Right? What are you doing? Here?
0: <laughs> it's crazy, and actually, that's. Um, in as much as it's local to us that is our local service station where they met Clackett uh, Lane down in Southeast London
1: and, uh, and on that irrelevant bombshell I think it's time to <laughs> 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 thanks for joining us Anita Sambal
2: it was a pleasure
1: <laughs> and, and, and Paul Williams cheers thank no, you well, for having I've, me I, I've been Stephen Bradley Matthew Wade will be back next week as soon as he clears the make off of his face good luck